Welcome into episode four of the Outsider Sports Podcast. My name is Eli Siebert, and I'm here with my co-host, Jack Anser. How are you, Jack? I'm doing all right. How you doing, kid? <laughs> I'm uh, drowning here in D.C. It's fucking pouring rain out here, but... Uh, Wonderful. You know, still recovering from Talladega this weekend. Oh, uh, boy. And and I got to tell you, we got to start right there. Uh, uh, you back from Wonderland? I, I went yeah. down to Talladega, which can really only be described as redneck Coachella. I mean, it is complete with the fashion, let's be honest. It is unbelievable. And, and I, I got to illustrate it with a couple stories here. I mean, so... On the entrance road into the campground, which is basically just a giant field with 80,000 people in RVs and tents. Okay. Um, that's across the street from the stadium, from the racetrack, which is a two-and-a-half-mile thing, you know, a, a mile into a field. This is a giant fucking field, by the way. All right. Starting to get the picture. Yeah. And uh, and it's full of just Alabama frat bros and old rednecks and families with little kids and diabetes uh self yeah it, it's you know it's it's exactly how you picture it it's it's unbelievable it's beyond stereotypical right yeah it's alabama so coming in on the entrance road on saturday it is just lined on both sides with alabama frat bros and it's you know summed up by the one of them was holding a hand drawn cardboard sign that just says "Show me your bush." Oh, that that wouldn't be my first choice of things to to look at, but okay. Shoot uh, and uh, so every car that's coming into the campground on the, on this entrance road, you know, gets cheered at uh, and encouraged to either rev their engine. Or if they have girls in the, in the truck, show your tits. Or fat guys. Yeah, or you know, it's, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, put it, give us a show, right? Ooh, it's yeah. basically the the thing. And people are just losing. It's like people are cheering, people are whooping it up, and it and it just starts accelerating. And pretty uh, soon, dudes are like jumping in front of the cars and mooning them, and like jumping on the hoods and stuff. And uh, and, and it was getting really out of control. And, and so all of a sudden, it's like a cop car rolls through, and, and I was like, "Oh, here we go!" Like this whole thing's getting shut down, and, uh, and he pulls up and stops like right in the middle of the whole thing, and just hits his sirens and starts whooping it up like out the window. Oh boy! Oh <laughs> like, boy! And, and that's when I realized the cops are just older Alabama frat bros, right? Of course. So, uh, you know, that was pretty out of control. I mean, what um, else would they do with that degree? <laughs> you know, that's Alabama law enforcement for you. Exactly. Um, but, the but honor so, roll from, from Alabama, from the university. Yeah. The the second thing is uh, we – later on the, on the, in, in the day on Saturday, we saw a a woman driving by in a golf cart in a Wonder Woman outfit. Okay. All right. Like Give probably, me a f- uh, physical description here. I mean, Give me the load like forty-five, fifty-year-old, like you know, okay. medium chunky, not type two diabetes, you know, but you know, I can live with that. Special, right? Wonder Woman outfit, uh, you know, smoker's face. <laughs> All right. And uh, so it's not a no. 
and someone just shouts out, yo, show your tits, and she pulls over to stop, and my buddy's like, what's up? And and somehow they start, like, haggling over the price of her showing her tits. Naturally. And she's like, I can't do it right now, but find me later. And they're, like, somehow negotiating. We're all just like, what the fuck is going on here? And uh, and then out of nowhere, her 10-year-old son runs up. And no. like, Mom, Mom, can I buy this T-shirt? And we're just oh. like, oh, oh, oh the no. bombshell. Oh. And, and so we just booked it out of there, right? So oh. it really is Redneck Coachella, and and almost nobody is there, ironically. So it is just about the best people watching you can do. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. It's it's a true cultural experience. And it's like but three, three days of peace, love, and happiness right there. It's like Woodstock. Yep. Yeah. That, that's right Redneck or, Woodstock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we also set the over-under on black people who were not employed there at 19, and we did hit it. We hit the over. Wow. At 80,000 attendants, we, we had over 20 black people there. Wow. It, was, it was a real shock, I'll be honest. Wow. That's, I mean, it's 2017. I mean, NASCAR, NASCAR is moving in the right direction. You know, First they actually – Then 20 – then I mean next week. I mean next year there could be thirty. There was a driver in the race whose last name was Suarez. No. Yep. I swear no, to you're God. Just getting crazy. Nope. I swear to God. Wow. I'm the sinister, Mister. Kiss my ass is just a renegade. Never been afraid to say what's on my mind at any given time of day, 'cause I'm a renegade. Never been afraid to talk about anything. Anything. Say what's on my mind at any given time of day Cause I'm a renegade Never been afraid to talk about anything Anything, anything, anything. So I, I think that, that's uh, that's enough for um, Tales from Talladega for now For now um, let's, uh, let's move on to a little bit of cream Cash rules everything around me A little bit of cream Cash rules everything around me All right, so this one goes out to the NBA, and Jake, tell us what's going on over there. Yeah, so you go on, you go on YouTube, right? And after every NBA game, about a couple hours after the game ends, there's this neat little ten-minute highlight reel package, just the the most important best plays from from the entire game with the announcers, with the game broadcast. It's always the home team. It's brilliant. It is. Maybe the best way to consume sports in in all of sports is particularly the, an NBA game, I think. It, yes, especially with the NBA, but it's just this phenomenal fan experience of especially these out of market games. You can't see your home team play, and you don't have time to rewatch a game that you already know what happens. You sit down, you watch this ten minute version of the game, and it's it's brilliant. It's it's. Maybe the best way, it, it's sometimes even better than actually watching the game. And especially with, you know, people, people are losing their attention spans. Let's face it. I'm one of them. I, I love watching the NBA, but I'm not always down to sit through two, two and a half hours of basketball, especially when it's not my team. 
So mm-hmm. it's amazing that this shit is free still, and I don't want to jinx it by coming out and saying this, but they got to start selling these these little 10-minute highlight packages. There's so much money to be made for them there. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's like here's the cash with everything around me. It's like the drug dealer says, like the first year is free. You know, right. They, right. They, they get you hooked on it, and then they start charging for it. I am. I'm know. totally hooked. I'm totally hooked. Say you took a week and just packaged together either all of the best games or all of the games from a week of the NBA and released these 10-minute these highlight videos. Or you could buy access for a week and then watch – you know, the, the 10 minute highlight clips from, from every NBA game that week. Yeah. Or I mean, even just selling piecemeal, right? Like, right. There's a, there's a huge revenue opportunity here. And this is a great, you know, this is the NBA transitioning towards the future, right? They're recognizing that the, you know, the future is not in cable and, and, you know, sure. right. uh, ESPN, right. It's in uh, mobile devices and, and YouTube and, social media and, and more bite-sized clips. And, and so, you know, this is free for now, but you know, they're giving you the carrot and here comes the stick. I promise you. Right. And I, I, Oh, I'm totally, I'm totally hooked on these. And I mean, I, I don't like paying for anything, but hell, if they did that, I, I think I'm hooked. I think I'm at that point where that's, that's just the, another Netflix you know, I gotta go for it. right? It is. That's the way it's going, and that's the way it's going to stay. And then you take that even outside the NBA. You look at the other four major sports, including soccer, and you think about the pace of play issues that the MLB is having right now. If you tell me that I can watch out-of-market games or Sox games that I don't feel like sitting through three and a half hours of, that I could watch a 10-minute neat little video with the in-game announcers of the most important things that happened in that game. And you can, you can get enough of a feel for what happened in that game from, from 10 minutes worth of footage. Or something like soccer. That could be an incredible way to grow the game in the United States. Nobody's, nobody wants to sit through 90 minutes of, of action in soccer because th- there might not even be a goal scored in the entire game people in the United States hate that sort of shit, but 10 minutes of all the the close calls and the great midfield play and then the goals with replays of them, I think you'd be on to something if you wanted to grow soccer that way. The only sport that doesn't really need this is the NFL because it's already the king of the castle. And when you have such a viewership, it, oh, it might not we, grow their brand. We devour every play in the NFL. Right. Right. So it might not help the NFL. But these other these other sports that are still trying to trying to grow and kind of take some of the some of the fan base from the other sports. I mean this is this could be a good way to get an edge. Absolutely. Uh so moving on we have uh another segment here. Just a tip. You know, Just a tip. And this one goes out to uh to some of the more special fans in, in Boston. Mm. Just a tip. Yeah. If you're going to whisper the N-bomb to someone at a baseball game, maybe don't whisper it to the Boston Globe reporter there with his black family. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe just don't do kid. that. Oh, my God. Just, 
just a tip. <sighs> these, these fucking people. I, I, I swear. Just being from Boston and growing up with this city, loving this city, it it hurts when people do this shit. I mean, obviously, anybody with a brain is saying, of course, it's not everybody from Boston, but it, it and, makes and, it look bad. And, right, it can be anybody from Boston. It's bullshit. Exactly, it sucks. You know, exactly. And it just exactly. like makes you look bad and what. Fuck, man. It, it sucks. It makes us look bad, and it also makes us focus on the fact that we look bad, which is the wrong thing to focus on, because, you know, immediately the narrative then becomes, well, I need proof. I need proof. Show, you, you know, show me the evidence that this happened with the Adam Jones thing. Show me the evidence. Show me the cell phone video. If, that does, if we don't get that, then it didn't happen. And it's like, well, yes, I agree with you that maybe we should need proof, but maybe maybe save that. Maybe first just go to, all right, you fucking idiots, don't do this shit. Like that that's the first response is yeah, just just hey, don't be a racist dickhead. Just a tip. Yeah, yeah, just just the tip. Just just don't don't do that. And then if it does happen, sure. If you need if you need proof, you need proof. But maybe the first response. Here's the second tip. If this does happen. Maybe just pretend you believe it for a while and talk about the actual fucking problem instead of creating new ones. And then find your proof, figure out whether it happened, whatever. Do what you got to do. But the first response to something like this is how can we get people to just fucking stop doing this? So just the tip, don't yell racist stuff, especially to a guy there with his black family. Second tip Maybe as much as it sucks that we all look bad in Boston right now, let's let's try and let's try and put that on the back burner for a bit. So we got two tips. Uh, so getting into our main topic tonight, the NBA playoffs. Uh, you know, to get this out of the way, the Cavs stomped opponent X, the Warriors <laughs> stomped opponent Y. The Canadian one. They stomp the Canadian team. That's yeah, they're, they're eight and zero. They're walking to the finals. Yeah. you know, but uh, it's it's still interesting and entertaining to talk about. Uh, let's start with uh, with the Celtics. You know, Celtics are involved. Yeah. Um, Celtics had a huge game five victory uh, the other night, and uh, they they absolutely stomped the Washington Wizards uh, in, in Boston to take a three two series lead. So. Jack, uh, what were your thoughts on Game 5? Yeah, Game 5 was a good win. Uh, 123-101. I mean, that was what we wanted to see. That was the Celtics firing on all cylinders. There's been a lot of talk that Washington shit the bed. I didn't see that. I saw this game as more the Celtics being good than the Wizards being bad. Am Am I off on that? And I actually I completely agree with you. I mean, the, the Celtics came out and and just you know set the tone early on, and really you know I've I've been thinking for a while now that that Al Horford is you know the key guy to watch with the Celtics, and, yep. and sort of the, they go as Horford goes, yep. and and certainly Horford was brilliant in this game, he was. sort of running the offense from the from the center position, being like a, a point center almost, but. 
I call really? him, I call him a half because he's a point five. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but uh, you know, really, it, the, the key guy in this game was was Avery Bradley, and and yeah. you know, Avery Bradley could be the key for this team taking the 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 leap to the next level. I mean, he's already one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, and when he plays offense like he did. In game five, I mean, he yeah. was pouring it in, and when he plays like that, it's like you see flashes of like a Kawhi Leonard, yeah, you know, like right, that of is Kawhi Leonard, and it's it's. I mean, if he if he can turn into something like that, I mean, the Celtics, uh, the sky's the limit. I mean, that dude, when he plays like that, they can beat anyone. Yeah, and he's great because he can he scores off the ball. You know, he doesn't. Him and Crowder, I both love for this. They don't need the ball in their hands to be able to score. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I, Isaiah Thomas has been, he's been more of a distributor in this series. They're, they're clamping down on him. They're forcing him to pass. And at times he's responded well. And yeah, exactly. You've got to have guys like Bradley in the corner. And probably the biggest thing with him is he's, he's gotten to his spots. He's hitting those shots because he's in the right spot. He's perfectly in that corner, just comfort zone area. He gets there. You see his threes, they're, they're either from the middle or from the very edge. They're from the closest spot right on the corner or right at the top. Those, he's making his three-point shots high percentage looks, which when, you, when he's doing that, He's going to make them. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. And, and you know, he – I don't think he will ever really develop into, like, a, a off-the-bounce kind of star. Sure. Uh, Make-my-own-shot make kind of guy. No. Uh, no. But if he if he's an elite spot-up shooter consistently right. with the way he plays defense, I right. mean, that is – that 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 might be enough to make this to get us Celtics a, a, a real boost to take the lead. Right. Yeah. And I I mean I absolutely love Avery Bradley. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. He's he is truly phenomenal because his his offensive game is inconsistent as we've seen, but his defensive game is just night in night out. We talk about Al Horford with some of the little things that he does for this Celtics team. Bradley's another guy who does a lot of the little things. Crowder as well, but with those two, with those two wing scorers, Bradley and Crowder, the real thing with them is their shot selection. And yeah, in I, the games the Celtics Crowder, have won, it's been phenomenal. Crowder makes me cringe sometimes. sometimes I, yeah. Crowder's going to kill me with his shot selection, man. Yeah. That, that, yeah, he, he thinks he's an incredible shooter and he needs to realize he's a solid open jumper shooter. I, sure. Uh, but then but, some, but some days he is that. Some games he is that and he makes them like 60, you know, six out of 10. You know, one, one last note on, on Bradley. I hate to look forward, but Bradley contains Kyrie Irving better than anybody I've ever seen. Oh, sure. Absolutely. He, he is so good on Kyrie Irving. So that, that's yeah. the one thing that would give me a little bit of, uh, of, you know, glimmer of hope moving forward. But, but gotta, you know, first thing is this series isn't over. So do you think Correct. the Celtics, uh, do you think they can win game six on the road? We haven't seen them really compete on the road yet. 
Yeah. Yeah, I I think I really like their chances at this game. I think it's I think it's a coin flip in this game. I really do. Which is is going pretty good in in the Celtics favor considering the Wizards are or no, when the when the Celtics play the Wizards this year, the home team is 9 and 0 and it's like a 20 point difference. The Wizards have been way better this year at home than away. I think both teams had 30 yeah. home wins this year. But just what we saw in game five, I think, is the reason the Celtics have a very, very good chance of pulling out game six. And I think if it comes to game seven, there's a very I, – I love their chances of, of winning this series at this point. What do, what do you think their chances are for each? Uh, you know, I'm – I'm pessimistic about game six, honestly. Yeah. I, you know, I. Just the home think, thing or? You know, I just, they, they haven't competed once all year in, in, in Washington and yeah. they, I think the Wizards are gonna, like, I, it's their different team at home. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think, I, I just don't see the Celtics blowing them out, uh, certainly in Washington, but, sure. but, I do love the chances in a, in a potential game seven. So overall, I'm I'm feeling great about the Celtics winning the series. Um, sure. I, I just think it will take seven games to do it. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. No. I, I mean, i i can I can see the I can see the hesitation for game six. I mean, totally. Those that those home splits are frightening. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's just thing. bizarre. And honestly, like I, I think the Celtics might even just feel like, you know, like, screw it, we have game seven at home. Like, they, you know, if, especially if it, if it come if they come out poorly in the first quarter, if they shoot poorly in the first quarter and they're down yeah. by 10 again or whatever, I can see them, uh, you know, not, I, I, not having the, the fight for game six. And that's which the key is point super right there. dangerous. That's, well, that's the key point right there. Is the first quarter is going to be absolutely huge because also, I could see the Wizards, if the Wizards are down, if the Celtics go up by 10 in the first quarter, the Wizards are going to lay down and die. Completely agree. Just they're, they're going to just totally give up. So, yes, the first quarter of game six is going to be absolutely huge for just the rest of the series. Yeah, and and you know I, I'm concerned that if the Celtics, you know, sort of cave in in Game Six, sure. relying on Game Seven is just so dangerous. Right. Uh, you know, I, I it's a, it's like having a two goal lead, like having a two goal lead. Yeah. Is never safe. You have a two. You have a you, you have, have a one like goal a game lead. in hand. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I can I can definitely see that, which is why, which is actually. Part of why I, I feel pretty good about Game Six is that I feel like because the Celtics took control in Game Five, I think Stevens is going to have that team ready to go. And I'll, I'll say it now: this, you know, Isaiah Thomas said that Game Five, his mentality was that it was going to be the biggest game he's ever played. I'm sure he has the same mentality for Game Six as he should, because this is the biggest. This is the biggest game of Isaiah Thomas's career, obviously Brad Stevens. For a lot of these guys, it's the biggest game of their careers, and 
this is the game. Yeah. Where this game is going to tell us so much about this team. If, yeah, if this team is at all a championship, even views themselves as championship contenders, right. you close the series out in D6. Right, and you do it You do it in style, too. Yeah, you, you go you do it in style. wipe them out. Um, right. This, but, the, just this, the importance of this game, I cannot overstate it in terms of big picture, where is this team at? How good is Brad Stevens? How good is Isaiah Thomas? If there were ever a game to read way too much into, it's this game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a situation where, are, like, do you know you're a championship contender or are you looking to find out if you're a championship contender? Right. Because if, right. if you're trying to find out if you're a championship contender, then you aren't one. Right. You know, and, there's, you, and there's obviously a huge difference between, you know, a lot of the time what you actually are and what you believe you are. And, and what you believe you are a lot of times is more important than actually what you are. Yeah, I mean, it, you you can't be a championship contender if you don't if you don't believe it, you know. Right. And right, because that came first. Isaiah Thomas started believing he was a superstar before he actually was, and he became one this year. Yeah, uh, you know, Trump started believing he was president before he. Oh. He's, he's, he, <laughs> he, 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 but no, I mean that's 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 a very good comparison, though. I mean that's that's perfect. That's the perfect illustration of it. I mean. You know, it's, he was taken as a joke for a while, but if you told him, you know, you think he can do it, he's like, hell yeah, of course I can do it. And that's why... I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, I'll, you know, right. You. Right. It's like LeVar Ball. He's, we're all sitting here being like, oh my God, nobody's ever going to buy those fucking shoes. Guess what? People are going to buy his shoes. They are. Not a ton. It, it may not everywhere. become Right. Exactly. It might not become a huge brand, but he pretty much just showed up and said, hey, I'm the guy now. And that's how you become the guy. So the yeah, Celtics his, can, son's, his son's got to back it up. That's it. That's it, it, it exactly. Exactly. He's putting a lot exactly. of pressure on his son. Right. So the Celtics could show up to this game and, and say, look, we're the guy now. We're not the guy, but we're, we're in this conversation now. And, yeah, Maybe the maybe the Cavs win in in four or five, but we're here. We're knocking on the door. We can we can get through everybody else up until you. And we're gonna now we're, we're gonna play. Right, and now we're coming for you next. But if we if it's not at that level of you know if we just squeak by the Wizards, then it doesn't send that message to the top teams in the league that hey guys next year we're here to play. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Um, moving on to the uh, the other series, uh, you know, full disclosure, we are uh, we're recording here in the in the middle of the third quarter of Game Six between the Spurs and Rockets. The Spurs are absolutely stopping the Rockets by 20 points uh, without Kawhi Leonard on the floor. Um, yeah, this so, one looks over. Yeah, that's a, that's a real shock. The the Rockets are getting absolutely trashed on their own home court uh, in, an, in an elimination game. Uh, Jack, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, what what more can you say about the Spurs organization? This is this is just classic Spurs. This, you think that you got us? Our best players injured? Well. That's team basketball right there. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you came into this series talking about how Tony Parker was going to be the key to the series. Can they get enough from Tony Parker right. to, to, to squeak out four wins? And then Tony Parker goes down with an injury in game one and is done right. the series. So then it's like, okay, here we go, Kawhi. Uh, you know, but in, in game four and game five, they just discovered it's like, hey, Patty Mills and Danny Green and John Simmons, you know, this yeah. young guy who's just been right. on the bench, a late draft pick, late first round draft pick. They right. just sort of developed him and groomed him and, and he, Pop says, go get me 12 points and six rebounds in 18 minutes. And that's exactly what he does. He plays great defense and block, gets two critical blocks. And, like, Amazing. Hey, you know, Next like, man who up. is this guy? Yeah. Like Patty Mills, you know, has been a backup all year and steps up and plays 40 minutes and scores 30 points. Uh, right. Like, and guards James Harden, uh, you know. Right. And Kawhi gets hurt, and Manu Ginobili takes over in overtime. 39-year-old Manu Ginobili, who's been all but dead in the, until this resurrection, you know, hits the game-winning three and then blocks uh, James Harden from oh, behind. Oh, man. That play. The most unbelievable play uh, in, at the end of overtime of game five, which was it an really incredible was, game. And that that play, that – Oh man, that play, it looked so simple and it was so simple. Literally, all he did was reach his hand out. But the veteran balls to even just attempt that play because so many guys in the league would have been just scared of getting a foul. And, and not to mention it's James Harden and Popovich right. has been lighting into people all series for fouling James Harden. Right. Like, that was right. the number one emphasis was they're not going to let this guy get three free throws. And he did it right at the end of the game, and he blocked him from behind, and it was amazing. Oh, man. And, and with Harden, if you breathe on him wrong, he falls over and he gets a call. So just, you know, most of the league wouldn't have had the balls to even go for that play. The, most of the rest of them wouldn't have been smart enough to think of that and would have just committed a foul and given him three shots with a chance to tie. But to go for it and execute and to stay within yourself in a situation like that, that that's what the game's all about. That's the type of play that that's why the Spurs are the Spurs. And, and, and then they came back tonight and even without Kawhi who got hurt at the end of game five and is, and is out for game six, Unreal. they're absolutely smoking Houston on their home floor. Uh, and Jack, does this, you know, do you judge James Harden for this? Yeah, well, so I mean, I I I judge James Harden for a lot of things. I I really do because I mean, you you love what he brings to the table. Of course you do. But there's just a certain lack of intensity with James Harden and and you you see you see a big difference between, you know, these these kind of guys like like uh, you know, Harden Chris Paul is a little bit like this. You watch like Ben Simmons, Lonzo Ball. They kind of just like float around the court, right? You know, the, the, and you like it because the eyes are always up. The, the vision's great, but they play with just this kind of like floating. They just kind of float around. Whereas you, you see a guy like Westbrook and Wall, Isaiah Thomas does this a lot where they're playing at a hundred miles an hour and still maintain control, that's the type of guy that you want in the playoffs because 
they're used to playing at 100 miles an hour all the time, and then you get to the playoffs where everybody has to play 100 miles an hour, that's their game. But when you step up the intensity, when you punch James Harden in the mouth, he doesn't punch back. If you punch Russell Westbrook in the mouth, he hits you back two times harder. Yeah, I, I mean, I think James Harden is cream cheese soft. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's think back to uh, that series with the Clippers when they had that amazing comeback. But that all happened with James Harden on the bench. He just kind of quit yeah. and was sulking because they were down 20 points. And said, right. Yeah. Like, right. Oh, I quit. And and then Josh Smith and Corey Brewer led them back somehow. But, <laughs> Paul uh, people, yeah. In the, most, in the most bizarre comeback ever. But, Josh uh, Smith. That's right. Yeah, they yeah. just rained threes for like 20, for 20 minutes. It was unbelievable. He decided uh, to win. That's but, uh, you know, and then James Harden spent all of last year, like, out of shape and just sulking his way through a 500 season that was totally miserable. And right. somehow everyone blamed Dwight Howard for that, which, you know, surprise, surprise. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah. And fairly, especially when you consider like how different and energetic and like thrilled this team has looked this year. But my God, starting with the overtime of last night where they had three consecutive possessions where Harden held the ball and just did nothing as the shot clock ran down to five seconds and then he jacked up a three and it was like, like they just quit. It was like they, he totally yeah. froze in the moment and they've, they've just not recovered at all tonight. They've come back on their home floor and they're down by 25. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he is, he's cream cheese soft. He really is. And even the stats, I mean, it's, you know, limited games, but coming into tonight, he was averaging about 30.3, Five five point seven rebounds and eight point six assists, but his shooting splits were what were bad. It was forty two and a half uh field goal percentage, twenty eight point three from three and eighty nine percent, which is pretty good on his on his free throws, but that's you know that, that number from three MVP. is ugly. Yeah, that that's not that, an MVP. That twenty eight from three is ugly. Same with, you know, the rebounds and the assists going down big time compared to the regular season. And that's what I'm talking about is I just don't think that he has the intensity for to, you know, max max himself out in, in a playoff atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, not to mention he's, uh, you know, he literally takes half the game off because he, he, he really doesn't yeah. play defense. It's, it's insulting. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's another one where regular season James Harden – you know, he he floats around, but, you know, he'll get the steals. He he plays enough. He'll defense. put up numbers. He'll put up plenty of numbers. Right. Like, I know you like him. I know you really like him for, for MVP. And, you know, that's, I, I, that's, My MVP was, but would have gone to Kawhi Leonard. Oh, but. Th- no, that's right. You you like you like Leonard, but you like – that's why you like Harden above Westbrook. Well, I, I like Harden above Westbrook because Westbrook's team, like, he, you know, it's – like I just don't really see the value of winning forty games. Right, right. But I guess so. You, you know, the the defense didn't really hurt your image of James Harden too much in the MVP voting because it's the regular season and you can get away with a little bit less. You know, you can get away with more of those defensive lapses that Harden has. But yeah, it, but and and I I agree with you to a certain extent. And then. But it just it just shows you you know you get to the playoffs and and some of those mistakes that you're that you know we're willing to excuse are no longer excusable in the playoffs. Well, to me in the, in the game of basketball, 
your your mentality and your mental toughness in basketball is revealed on the defensive end because right. you know that like that's where you have to be mentally tough. It's sure. you know it's it's chasing uh, the rules are stacked against you on defense and even if you do it perfectly you can get beat and often do and it's about right. you know can you keep that up against all odds you know time and time again right. and and when when i see players who take take you know take the that end of the floor off it's because defense is hard and, right. you know that yeah. like that that tells me who's and you don't tough get paid and for who's it. not yeah right. and and right. so when i look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard it you know that's that's who you that's who's mentally tough in a basketball game it's the guys who are are playing defense consistently Right, and it's the difference between playing to win the game versus playing for what you'll get credit for. Marcus Smart is mentally tough. Marcus Smart is very mentally tough. Uh, Draymond Green is mentally tough. Uh, Absolutely. Debate for another time, but you know, <laughs> you know that I was laughing my ass off, and I think it was John Wall that said. You know, Marcus Smart, he's, he's talking a lot, but he's not really about that life. No, no. Marcus Smart is about that life. <laughs> Marcus Smart will take you anytime, anywhere. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kyrie like, Irving, not mentally tough, I would say. You know what? Like, I actually, I, actually, I think, it, you know, tough is, tough is kind of not the right word for it. But he I might think, just be a bad defender. He's he, yeah. It's, it's between a lack of effort and just like not being good at it. And I think, and I he's think just there not is, good at it. I think there. Well, I think there's a bit of a lack of effort. So he's definitely not mentally tough in that way. But in terms of the game on the line, you need somebody to block everything out and create a shot and make it. I think that's a certain level of mental toughness that he does have. Well, obviously, I mean, he won the closer. You know, game seven last year, and no more evidence necessary. Right, right. But, but. I think that I think that that really speaks to the mental toughness, just in a different way than kind it's of a different you know, kind the type of, you're you're talking about. Yeah. Right, right. But it, all to say, James Harden pops his green cheese. Yes, and you know the the one thing that that just doesn't play out, you know, well enough for the Rockets. <laughs> Rockets mascot just uh, totally screwed up the big dunk routine, missed the dunk. Oh, love that. It's just a wonderful metaphor. Oh, I love it when shit goes wrong. (laughs) Yeah, he fell on his stupid rat dog, whatever he is, face. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. But um, so just one stat that absolutely popped out at me is going into game six, the Rockets had scored – 4.4 4.4 percentage of their points off of mid-range shots. And you know me, I hate mid-range and long twos. I oh, hate yeah. them. But if you're not scoring 8 to 10% of your points off mid-range shots, it means that you can't do it. Which is which is a problem because they don't have to defend it. So that was one that's one of the issues for the Rockets in this series is there was absolutely no threat of a mid-range jump shot. None. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it allows a, a clever coach like Popovich to 
really focus in on on just a few areas of the floor. Uh, so it, it you know it allows you to uh, really just sort of throw out a whole uh, set of strategies you don't even have to worry about when you play the Rockets. Um, so exactly. it, it is a little bit of a, a, a limiting style of play. Um, but it uh, is. It's wild to see the Rockets collapse like this, and but yeah. it's not entirely surprising given James Harden. It is, and I, you know, I, I am all for limiting, you know, your long twos, but you, you gotta, it's gotta be a threat. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's about it for uh, for round two of the NBA playoffs. Uh, so, it looks like moving forward, we're probably gonna have Warriors, Spurs, certainly out west, uh, and Cavaliers versus hopefully the Celtics in the east. Uh, I think so. And uh and we will preview those uh series and talk about those series a little bit uh, more next week. That we will. This is our last topic, Hot Topics, brought to you by Hot Topics. The official sponsor of the worst parts of the worst years of your life. Okay, so our first hot topic this week. Uh Jack, on a scale of one to ten how bad has have the NBA playoffs sucked so far? Well, first reaction I want to I want to just go straight to ten, like ten ten being the shittiest. Just this, it sucks. It's it's not a ten. It's I I have like to a give nine it like point a, seven. No, I, I'd <laughs> honestly give it like a seven, like a or like a maybe even like a I'm going six and a half. Six and a half comes to mind, just because I feel like we do this every year. We we go through it every year. How much does the NBA playoffs suck? Nobody, there's there's not that many close games. But then we always seem to look back on it at the end and go, huh, that was kind of cool. You know, a lot of a lot of good players had good performances. And yeah, well, so I mean, I'd say six and a half, just because it seems like we do this every year. I see. I I, I agree with you on on the one hand, but on the other hand, like. You know, the first round was completely boring. We had one seven-game series, which was involving the Clippers, which is just another, you know, an injured Clippers team uninspiringly puttering out. Like, it was. Uh, hooray, you know. Like, uh, it, there was no epic game seven buzzer beaters or, or any buzzer beaters or any, like, really close games. It's just a bunch of blowouts. You got the Cavaliers and the Warriors just stopping everybody and no. being literally bored and trying to, find new ways to entertain themselves like it you know it feels inevitable and there's been a lack of interesting games a lack of interesting drama even like a close series like the Celtics has been you know just a bunch of blowouts but it's just alternating right. blowouts right but what it does have is it does have interesting players that's yeah. that's the one thing that it really does have and that this whole NBA season has had is this whole NBA season the storyline has been about the phenomenal individual talent, especially a lot of the young talent that we have in this league. So you look at, yeah, the, the Toronto Milwaukee series wasn't that thrilling, but we got to see, we got to see Ante Kumpo. We got to see, you know, yeah, at Atlanta, I mean, even, you know, they, they flamed out. We got to see Dwight Howard get stomped out again. You know, we, we got to see Westbrook versus Harden. We got to see, we got to find out that the whatever. Clippers suck. That, you know, that's Westbrook-Harden series was terrible. 
it was just a, a, a clinic in awful shot selection and terrible games with lots of flops and free throws. Awful. But it had the highlight plays. It had that awful. It had that ten minute package where the highlights were were neat and looked good. Even though I I actually watched some of those games, it that's that's why I go with a lower number because we just had the opportunity to see Forget a lot it. of these these guys at the top level at the top level of competition. We've just gotten to see some really good players do some really cool shit. Yeah, I mean that's sort of inevitable, right? But it, for me, honestly, sort of like. These playoffs have just been a nightmare with, uh, you know, the only hope of an epic finals to bail it all out at the end. I mean, it's been a disaster so far. Sure. Um, and, sure. Know. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see with the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I agree. I think, I think the Warriors just stomp their way through all the way to the end. I think Cleveland ultimately wins too, but it's, it's going to get interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Cleveland wins in five no matter who they play. Four or yeah. five. Uh, moving on. Uh, yeah. Let's consider an interesting hypothetical here. Jack, what would the Celtics look like if they had actually succeeded in signing Kevin Durant this offseason? Yeah, I, I think they would be right up there. I think they would be competing with Cleveland. I, From, from what we've seen from this team, because I, I think Kevin Durant would actually be perfect as a stretch four in Brad. Oh, yeah, you think? System. He 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 is the perfect Brad Stevens stretch four because we we had all been kind of kicking it around like oh he's, he's the perfect everyone stretch four we <laughs> duh well well he is but a lot of teams he you know he kind of slots in as a as a three basically three you know we're talking kind of three versus four the type of pl- what I'm saying is the type of player that Brad Stevens would use him as he would use him. He would be doing some of these things that Al Horford is doing, so Al Horford can do more five things, even though that doesn't work out perfectly. But Durant is just the perfect fit. He has the scoring. And what I'm saying is he has the rebounding that could really, really help this team. He's underrated as a rebounder. People don't give him enough credit for that part of his game, and I think he would step it up even more as a member of the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, one one interesting part of this hypothetical to consider is the impact on Isaiah Thomas, right? Because I see blossomed into, uh, you know, a a legend, you know, over the course of this season. But, you know, if if Durant's here, he certainly has the ball in his hands a lot less, especially in the fourth quarter. He certainly takes less shots. He's playing off the ball more, which, you know, maybe leads to even more threes and, and open shots, but... He, uh, he, he certainly has a different status in, in the city, uh, than he does now. He, he does, but I think you started to hear him kind of talk like a superstar before this season, before the beginning of the season. Th- that kind of superstar mentality had already creeped in, and that's a big part of actually becoming a superstar in the NBA. A ton of these guys have the ability. It's just about getting yourself in the mindset to do it night in and night out. And that's what Isaiah Thomas has done. I think he started doing that before the beginning of the year. So I think that progression would still have shown even with Durant here. And the other thing is, you know, we've seen Isaiah Thomas be a little bit more of a distributor in the playoffs. And the Celtics offense is better when he is that. So add in another another guy for him to pass it to. And I think I think he might have actually been better with Kevin Durant this year. Yeah, I mean, well, there's, there's certainly no question uh 
obviously the Celtics would be better off with a top three NBA player. Of course. Um, of course. But, you know, mo- moving on. Next question here. Jack, who should you root for to win the Stanley Cup? Now, for those of you who haven't been keeping up with your hockey homework, there's a quick refresher here. We're down to the semifinals. It's Ottawa Senators against the Pittsburgh fucking Penguins. And uh, and then out west, we've got the Nashville Predators against the Anaheim Ducks. That's more like it. That's more like it. Yeah, I've I've got the Anaheim Ducks in this one. You know that they're they're a good team. They're a lot more fun to watch than some one three one trap in Ottawa. I cannot root for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Matt, that's not the Sidney table. Crosby, Mario Lemieux, it's not the fucking table. Gross. <laughs> it's not not considered. Oh, just like I think about that franchise, and I need to take a shower. Like they're just a gross franchise, and then. I mean, Nashville versus Anaheim, just two good hockey teams. The only thing to divide it for me, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. You grew up with the movies. Yeah, so you're, you're just them. picking the movie. I'll take them, yes. Yes, I am. I yes, and I am. It, I'm not. Anybody yeah. who went to Vanderbilt, you know, has an easy choice here. you gotta take, right. you got to take a Smashville Preds. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm rolling with them. So who do you want to see lose more in the East? Oh, Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh. Always Pittsburgh. That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. I mean, plus the the defending champs, like, you don't want to see Rieske. No, especially, yeah. No, but if I have to watch, yeah, no, just just watching the 1-3-1, oh, God. That's, That's making me hate hockey. It really is. All right, so if you want to feel nostalgic, root for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. If you want to root for some dope players and an awesome, awesome party when they win uh, Smashville Predators. All right. Uh, Moving on, Jack, if David Price is healthy before the next series of the Orioles, would you start him or keep him on the shelf? Oh, and I hate that this is even a question. I I mean, I keep him on the shelf. I do. Like, if he's coming back right before that whole nonsense is about to start up again, just I, I want to keep him from that. I really do. You might get to the point where the number five, six starters, just just you can't do it with them anymore, and you just can't win a game with whoever the hell they're trotting out there. But I do not want David Price anywhere near this Orioles series. What about you? Uh, you know, I, on the one hand, it's like he's David Price and he's going to be better than Drew Pomerantz, right? Uh, on the other hand... He'll be better, yeah. I I kind of want to, you know, a guy who's getting his first start six weeks into the year, I kind of want to see him uh, go against like a Get cup going. Bank, you know? Throw him right. against the Rays or the you know right right some, some garbage team and and give him give him a little warm up first right like exactly get his feet under him before you throw him to the wolves um, exactly so you know I, I I think I'm with you I think hold Price out get him uh get him an easy start before you put him right in the middle of this Orioles Red Sox rivalry which has uh, boiled over several times over the last 
couple weeks here. Right, because I can I can just see it now. You know how it how it all plays out. I mean, Price has he could even have a good outing, but he gets too wrapped up in the emotions of the series. Maybe maybe something happens. Maybe nothing happens. Maybe he goes inside on a guy and the guy starts chirping at him. You know, walking down to first base, whatever, and it just throws him off. Like I'm just that worried about his mental fragility at this point. Yeah, and and you know if you're adding in worrying about his his arm, you know I gotta get him a, a confidence builder first, right. even if it means suffering through another <laughs> Stephen Wright uh, home run oh. derby oh. Uh, against Machado and crew. So that's um, where we're at with David Price. Is we're seriously thinking about not pitching our supposed supposed to be number one, but. He's not our number one, but he's supposed to be a number one, right? Oh, yeah. thank you, Jesus. Um, but but really, the Red Sox do need David Price back so badly. We do, the pitching is not going to hold up, and uh, we're going nowhere if if David Price is not part of this rotation. Really, um, seriously. But uh, moving on, uh, more Red Sox <laughs> issues here. Uh, apart from from the David Price slot in the rotation, the one of the biggest issues has been third base, which has been a rotating, revolving door of shit show. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, and it's not only on offense where nobody's hitting; it's also on defense. I mean, it's they've made an astounding. It's like twenty errors from the third base position in like thirty-five oh, games. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's like almost once a game, whoever's playing third screws up and, you know, it's, it, it's multiple guys and, you know, uh, Pablo Sanchez is hurt. So the question is like, do you bring Pablo back? Do you want him back? What's, what's, what's your solution for their base here? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the whole issue with it. Cause when they brought Sandoval in, my, my biggest issue with it was the offensive numbers getting you into the playoffs. Yeah. he, he can produce in the playoffs, but I was willing to take the offensive numbers because the defense was supposed to be there. I still think the same thing. They have a good lineup. I'm willing to take not great production out of the third base hole if it means reliable defense. I think Brock Holt is really, I mean, to a certain degree, what choice do you have? But I personally, as bad as it's been, I don't want to see Pablo Sandoval in a Red Sox uniform. I want to, I want to have nothing to do with him. I think he yeah. should just work out until he gets in shape and then I go somewhere else. What do you think? Interject a quick segment here. Uh, yeah. A quick, a quick, get the fuck off my team goes out to Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. Pablo Sandoval, get the fuck off my team. Get out. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, in terms of third base, I mean, I, I just like to see Farrell with somebody for a little while. It, it seems like he's he's like got the managerial yips as, as far as their base is concerned. He, he yeah. starts a different guy there every day, and uh, you know nobody can can build a rhythm, and they're they're obviously pressing when they're in there. So you know, I think I think he needs to to pick somebody and and, and give him a little bit of a run here. Uh, Do you think this could become a Dombrowski thing? Do you think they was to make a move? What do you think uh, they do from a front office standpoint? Uh, I I think it would be nice to have you on Mankata. Yeah. 
Um, That's true. You know, unfortunately, obviously, the, <laughs> we would say Chris Sale instead. I'm not right. for sure. For sure, the way Chris Sale's pitching, I will take that. Well, they're uh, keeping the feet warm for Devers. Devers, however the fuck you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Tra- Travis Shaw's got a bunch of extra base hits this year. But, you know. Uh, it was tough to, to see him against the Red Sox. Yeah. I, 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 I knew that was going to be one of those guys that comes back to bite us in the ass. I totally understand why they got rid of him. He was terrible last year. But, yeah. you know, I just knew, like, that guy is, is – it's going to be just like one of those dudes who plays for the Blue Jays or something and just hits 600 against the Red Sox. And right, because like it was also partially right because it was also partially a Farrell thing last year because it was exactly what you were just talking about. The well, is he the starter? Is he a platoon player? What what is Travis Shaw? What's his and, role? Yeah, yeah. Travis Shaw didn't know Travis Shaw's role and. So he it, exactly you're right. It's no surprise he goes to somewhere with some stability and figures it out. Yeah, and, he and knows and what his role is. Let me let me tell you the the heat is getting turned up on John Farrell's seat if if his Red Sox struggling continues because you know he it's, uh, it's, it's you know point the finger at the right guy here and not helping John Farrell is the hot start from the New York Yankees. The damn Yankees again have a core of. Great young players, oh, and they're they good. are off to a hot start. They're twenty-one and ten, uh, and lead the Red Sox by four and a half games in the AL East. Uh, so my question to you, Jack, is: Can the Yankees keep it going? Are the Yankees for real? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously they can't keep this pace going, but I think, I think this is a, we're looking at a playoff team. We're definitely looking at a playoff team. The Red Sox are going to be there at the end of the year, but this team can hit, and the bullpen, they built through the bullpen, and that's how you do it right now. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely following a trend. It drives me nuts that they traded Aravis Chapman and got a bunch back for him and then just got him back for the next year. That that just seems like some Bill Belichick bullshit, (laughs) and it really pisses me off when it happens for uh, other people's teams. (laughs) And <laughs> um, but you know they they've you know Aaron so they've they've got a a team full of young studs. Aaron Judge has been an absolute monster. He's hit 13 home runs in 29 games this year. He's a power he's, forward. He's I mean he's That's six he foot is. seven and he's just a freaking gap tooth beast. But uh, I mean he's he's know. Draymond Green in a baseball uniform. Yeah, he's he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's got an on-base percentage of over 400, so he's he's killing it. Um, Starlin Castro is hitting over 350 for them. Uh, Aaron Hicks is hitting 338. So yeah. you know some of these things are, are probably unsustainable. Um, but on the other hand, they also haven't had Gary Sanchez. There's stud young catcher. He's been he's been hurt uh, since the the second week of the season. So, uh, you know, as maybe some of these players tail off, they'll be getting uh, one of their best players back. So, you know, things. Uh, God, I can't believe the Yankees are good again. I know, I know, and that's that's one of those things. Is that's why I say that I think they'll keep it up at least, you know, for this year and beyond. Is they'll be streaky, but a lot of these young teams with young cores with a lot of 
especially good young bats, they seem to really feed off each other. And as one guy goes, the team goes, the team goes, one guy goes. The Yankees are going to hit their their ups and downs, their rough patches throughout the course of this year. But the fact of the matter is in, in 162, the young guys just have the energy to get through it. You know, the, the veteran teams, it's, it's good they know how to they know how to go about it, but there's a certain there's a certain way that a lot of those young guys can just mesh together and just just keep it going for an entire one sixty two in the ways that thirty, thirty five year olds just can't do. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I I've I've known that the Yankees have a lot of young talent the buzz, but I really thought we were gonna have another year or two before it all blossoms. Right. Just, right. Shit, man. I can't believe the Yankees are good again. It happened all at once. And and let me just say, dude, of course Aaron Judge is a Yankee. Of, of, you know, of, he's of course he's a Yankee. I, like I mean, the, the guy who's six foot seven, six foot eight, and can just absolutely mash. Like, was there even a question? Like when this yeah. kid got drafted, like I, I'm sure every other team was probably like, yeah, we'd love to have this kid, but he was just meant to be a Yankee. It's it's like the like the baseball version of Al Davis drafting the guy with the fastest forty times. It's yeah. just like the Yankees just draft the giant outfielder who you know matches the ball to Brooklyn, like, and that's the difference between the franchise like the Yankees and the Raiders is you know the the Raiders might get lucky every once in a while, but the Yankees the, the, the Raiders get Darius Hayward Bay and the Yankees right. get Aaron Judge. Right, the Yankees get exactly. Derek Jeter. The Yankees fucking. Uh, sometimes they know what they're doing. Sometimes that's it's just because you draft the huge guy, and because you're the Yankees, it just works out for you. Uh, it's, uh, it's I can't believe we're ass. doing this already again. I, I just can't believe it. In the ass, but it's great for the game. It is hmm. great for the game. International markets. I mean, everybody outside of the United States, they're all Yankees fans. Yeah, they I mean, they sell. A- Shitload of Yankees hats in China. Let me tell you, they they really do. They really do. And then, strangely enough, China sells a lot of Yankees hats here. But that's another. Story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that's different. <laughs> well, so that uh, that just about wraps it up uh, for this episode of the Outside of Sports podcast. Uh, keep an eye out for some writing coming out this week uh, in, in the next uh, next couple of days, and probably uh, rolling out a, a new website design here coming up shortly. And you know, follow the Twitter handle uh, at, at the outside of Sports Bud, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you later. Deuces. There's a party over here, a party over there. Wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy. Whoa, there it is. Hitman. Ooh.